Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Hey, it's really cool to be here. Um, it's just really awesome to hear that testimony, Pearl. That was amazing. And I think there's plenty more where that's coming from. That's cool. Yeah, that was probably one of the best things I've heard in a long time. So thank you for sharing. It's really moving. <clears throat> um, yeah, I do get to um, the privilege of being at different Bible colleges. And, and funnily enough, quite often I talk to the Bible colleges about you guys. <laughs> and, you know, you guys are just an amazing group of people. And um, I'm deeply moved every time I see you guys. And, uh, you know, so many friends here. But just the way you guys do life is very, very cool. And, uh, yep, I've known some of you for a long time. And I'm, I am. I'm deeply moved by C3 Topol. I, I pray that you keep going this way. <laughs> yeah. And that you do have an open house. And, and to me, an open house is not about so much people coming in. It's about having the doors open so you go out. <clears throat> you know, often we talk about, we think, you know, we, we talk about the house of God and people should come, but actually that was Israel. You know, Israel was a place that God set up so that people could come and experience God. That was the purpose of Israel in the Old Testament. And you imagine that on top of uh, Mount Zion in Jerusalem, there was a temple. And in that temple was this amazing cloud that had lightning going through it that we call the Shekinah glory of God. And it was a, a huge statement to the world. You imagine seeing that. It would just be far out, man. You know, all the other nations in the world, they had idols. But Israel had this extreme manifestation of the glory of God. And so in the Old Testament, it was come. Why was it come? Because God was in Israel. He was at the temple. And so the Old Testament missionary movement of God was come. And sometimes we get a little bit confused because as Christians we read the Old Testament and we see this come message. And so we say, start saying, come, come to church. Come, you know, this is how we do it. But it's actually not what goes on because what Jesus achieved... And what Jesus did changed the come to a go. And so when Jesus comes, you know, he said, you have to go. Go. And you can see why the change happened. Because that manifestation, that Holy Spirit above the temple in Jerusalem changed. Changed where it manifested. You know, Jesus did an amazing, significant thing. He moved the temple from Jerusalem to here. It's true. And so the come became a go. And, you know, I'm just changing around because of the open house start. I'm just going to swap around what I'm going to say a little bit. But one of the things about Israel, and I love Israel, don't get me wrong, I've been there. I think it's great. And you know, please don't go away again. oh man, he was one of those anti-Zionist guys. Not at all, you know. I love Israel. It's very significant. They played a huge part in our understanding of who God is. But one of the things that we see in Israel 
is that they were given something amazing by God that they were supposed to share with the world. And, and it's almost like and they, they got quite puffed up about the fact that they were the chosen people of God. Now, I'm not saying that to belittle Israel. I'm saying that for us as a church to be careful because I think we easily do the same thing. And quite often we do. And I'm not talking about C3 Taupo so much, but the church in general is a, around the world. I think you understand what I'm talking about. And, what you know, as C3, I don't really see you guys doing it. I hope not. I mean, I look and I see, but I think you're not like this. And I guess just take the story and hold it because you don't want to become like this. And so... Israel had this amazing thing they were supposed to share, and my pastor in, in um, Hamilton, he shares it a bit like this, and it's a great story. He used to be a school teacher, so way back in the day. So nowadays school teachers can't do this, so take the story with a little bit of a grain of salt, right? It was back in the day. But as a school teacher, what he would do is he would give, at the end of the year, he would give someone in his classroom some money to go down the store and buy some ice blocks for everybody. I don't think we can do that today. I'm not sure if teachers are allowed to send a kid down to the store. But, but you know, in those days it happened. And, you know, I remember that happening too for me, actually. And so you imagine, like, like God gives this gift to Israel and says, you know, go and get something that you, you are blessed to be a blessing. And come and, and bring that blessing back to the classroom and share it amongst the whole class. So that blessing is there for the whole world. And you imagine that kid going down to the store, buying those ice blocks, and then sneaking back around the bike sheds and eating them all themselves. You know, and it's kind of that's what happened. And we need to be careful that we don't become like that as a church. Because quite often, when you read the Bible, when you read Israel, Israel is a type of church. In theology, we call it typology. It's a type of church. And so those things that Israel did, we easily fall into ourselves. And it's like, we're human beings, right? We've all got the same issues, really. We're born into palliative situation. means that we're born into the sin situation which causes death to us and causes us all sorts of funny thoughts and causes us to have these human reactions like puffing ourselves up and thinking that we're better than other people. You know, some of us are good looking and we look in the mirror and think, oh man, I'm good looking. I was watching Cristiano Ronaldo. Not, yeah, I do that all the time. Cristiano Ronaldo, I watched a you know, famous football player, I watched a video of him and he's looking in the mirror and he's actually going, yeah, I'm good. And he's actually saying it. I thought, wow, that's some kind of confidence. But some, <laughs> and, you know, let's face it, he does look good. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's so easy to get puffed up on things that we're good at. And as we heard Pearl say, what we get from Jesus is absolutely amazing. And, it, you know, our testimonies tend to be, we, we, we have this longing, we don't know how to meet it. We have this shame, we have this guilt. And it, it, it's just driving us insane. And we experience Jesus and we, we get relief. And in the beginning it's like, oh, that's so good. You know, and we want to tell people, but given in a few years, and as time goes on, 
it turns from this relief to, oh man, I'm so much better than those guys. I, you know, I'm okay. But you guys, man, you got some serious problems. And I think sometimes we feel like that because one of the pictures in the Bible about sin is leprosy. It's like, whoa, sin is ugly. You know, you're gnarled, you're, you know, rotting flesh. The picture's terrible. And then God comes along and he heals the lepers. You know, that's what it meant to the Jews when they saw Jesus healing leprosy. It's sin, because leprosy was a picture of sin. Sin has been taken away from that person. And so it had this physical and spiritual meaning at the same time when people were getting healed. You think of Naaman who goes down to the river and he had leprosy and he washes himself and he comes out clean. It's a picture of sin time and time again and cleansing this. And I think we get told as Christians all the time that we're clean of sin. And so we start to puff up and go, look, I'm good, but you guys are a mess. And instead of being open house, we close the door. And instead of sitting with sinners, which I believe is what Mark talked about last week, instead of sitting with sinners, we start sitting on them. We lord it over them. I'm better than you. We, we need to sit with and not on and not be so puffed up. I think that picture of leprosy is not very helpful. I think it was a good one in the Old Testament because it was a sickness that people identified with. In New Zealand, we don't see leprosy so much. When I was in India, one lady asked me to place my hand on her, and I placed my hand, and I said, what am I praying for? Leprosy is, keep your hand on her. Keep your hand on her. <laughs> I hadn't encountered leprosy before, and it's not really that kind of contagious, to be honest. It can be, but it's not like, you know, you touch and get it indefinitely. It's not as contagious as COVID-19. <laughs> I think, and I, I mean no disrespect for people that have been through cancer, because I know many people have experienced cancer, and I know many people know people that have, but you imagine back in the Old Testament, many people knew people with leprosy. It wasn't just a distant kind of... And I think cancer might be a better illustration... And I'm going to use it as a illustration, but I don't mean any... I'm not telling you that, you know, don't go and say, oh, cancerous people are sinful people. <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but I just as an illustration, I think I, the thing that I think is helpful with the cancer picture is that cancer can be two things, right? It can be malignant or it can be benign. And the malignant cancer is the one that kills you, just keeping it simple, you know? And the benign cancer doesn't but it's still cancer. And so what I think that happens, and this is just Danielology, the second book of Daniel, because there's only one in the Bible. You know, this is just my thoughts, right? I think that what happens is Jesus comes and he heals us of that cancer. But it's not like this, I've been washed away, because how many of you, not like my sins have been just washed away, because how many of you know that you still sin? <laughs> Some people are more keen to put their hands up than others. <laughs> In fact, I love that they did because it means they're not so puffed up. And that's one of the things that we as Christians get puffed up about is, I'm not a sinner. But you know you are. So what do you do? You try and hide it. 
And how bad is the church at doing that sometimes? We see this time and time again. And people looking from outside looking in go, bunch of hypocrites. Because we say we're not sinners anymore. But they're looking and going, well, I'm not sure what you define sin as, but I'm pretty sure I'm seeing something going on there. <clears throat> You're not that much better than me, mate. Stop sitting on me. Come and sit with me. So <clears throat> when we understand that it's more like a cancer and that what Jesus has given us is that he's taken the malignancy and he made it benign. That's why I said we're born into a palliative situation. The sin condition will kill us. Spiritually, I'm talking about, right? It will kill us. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin are death. But Jesus turns that malignant cancer into benign one. So we still have a cancer issue. We're not better than anyone else. Someone else came and did it for us. How should we get puffed up? You know, you can see why Paul writes like this. Why would you be so thinking that you've done it? That's what Paul's saying in the Bible. You didn't do anything. Jesus did it. And you're still no better than anyone else, actually. That's why he said, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say, but Jesus has given you the chance to get back to the glory. And that's what we've got. How should we be puffed up that we've done anything about it? We're just as bad as anyone else. We're carrying the same sickness. It's just that our sickness will no longer kill us. Jesus did that for us. Hallelujah. That's good news. <laughs> That's what we call a gospel message. <laughs> That's good news. So we shouldn't be sitting on people and we should be going out. And, and, and we should be going out not in the purpose of telling people. Sometimes we think it's all about evangelism. I'm not making evangelism. But sometimes evangelism is sitting on people. You guys need something and we've got it. But what if we just went out there to be friends with people? Because I think that's what Jesus said. In fact, the word that Jesus said was to go and love. Love. And that word love is agape in the Bible. 99.9% .9 of the Bible is the, comes, that word love is coming out of the Greek word agape, which is the word to give, to serve, to be generous, benevolent. It's not about a love that comes and makes me feel good. It's a love that gives out. And so when Jesus says, you know, we have to go out and love, and that's what we're supposed to do out in the community, that's what it looks like. It's going to cost you something. You're looking to be real friends with people, and then as real friends, we're looking to help them when they're sick, as real friends, to mow their lawns, to, to work for them, look for the opportunities. It hurts. I hate it, personally. I'm not. My love language, the least one, is service. <laughs> Anna's one in the service is the highest. So believe me, in the last 25 years, I've been on a crash course of service, which I'm very thankful for because it's helped me to understand and get to grips with what the Bible calls love. You know, we've, we've got to be like that. Sometimes what happens is we Christians, because we think that it's so important not to sin, and it is, like, we, we talk about sin, and what does sin really mean? In the Hebrew, there's two words that come together that we call sin, and it's to miss the mark. 
So a lot of times we think, as Christians, we think the mark is the standard of living, the set of rules that we should follow as Christians. And let me tell you, it is actually that. It's true. But things are more complicated than you realize sometimes because it's, it's not only that, and I would say this was the lesser deal. The bigger deal is that the mark that we miss is the promises, the commandments, the things that we're supposed to do, bringing the kingdom to people, being love, being sacrificial service towards people. That is the mark. And that when we don't do those things and when we miss them, that is sin. So it's fully feasible that you could be a thoroughly good person, do everything right, and still miss the mark. Because the mark is about who God has made you to be and the part that you play in this world to bring his kingdom. If you read, if you read through the Bible, it's all about the kingdom to Jesus. It's all about the kingdom and the way that you bring the kingdom is agape, love. So that's the mark. And I'm not going to tell you that there aren't standards and, you know, good ways to live life and there are things that go on that we should and shouldn't do. I'm just saying that maybe, and I think so, I'm in this camp, I think those things, while they're important, this is the real importance. And, and I often say in India, do you want to know the secret how to stop sinning? <laughs> and quite of Indians are like, yes, at least where I am. <laughs> And I, I said, in, in my experience and in my review of the Bible, the best way to achieve this is to concentrate on that. And the worst way to achieve this is by trying to avoid that. It's like you're looking exact, like you've made the mark the things that you shouldn't do. And you can see the negativity in that, right? Whereas if you take the track of the mark is... What has God called me to be and how is that my part of influencing the kingdom of God? When the mark is that, you have to get to that. Now, again, sometimes that requires some of this, right? Because, you know, you, there are certain roles and things in the church that you need to achieve some of this to really be able to achieve that. So you can see how the two things come together and how it gets a little bit confusing, but the problem is, when, when you're really focused on this, this side, and, and you start trying to talk about standards and, and all that kind of thing, and you really start pouring into that, it tends to become a little bit like, oh, hide what you, you're not achieving, and puff yourself up, and, you know, look at me, I'm doing good. Whereas this side is like, let's get out of there and become, you know, let's create an open house where people can get out into the world and work with people. Some people tell me, yeah, but Daniel, Jesus in the Bible says that the world is, of sin is like yeast. And that we need to be careful that the yeast doesn't come and, and you know, make us sinful. And that's a clear picture in the Bible, isn't it? And in the Old Testament, in Exodus, for example... You have where the um, Passover meal is in Exodus 12 verse 8. It says that same night they are to eat the meal roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. And then you have a feast of the bread without yeast. And there's all this 
unleavened bread. Well, leaven is yeast, right? And so there's all this talk, and if you do the theology on it, what they're saying is that yeast is like sin, and it gets into everything. You give it a chance, and it will take over your life. And the dough is like your flesh. And so they're saying that, and the message seems really clear, avoid sinning so your flesh can be clean. And so you see that message there, and that's why I have to say there's, there is a bit of this in there. But, oh, let me just point out one other thing too. When, when Jesus says, this is the bread that I break, that is my body, you can see the bread is the flesh. and the, you know, It's a picture. It's not really his flesh, obviously. Um, this is the flesh which I break. And, and that bread is the, is the Passover bread, and so it has no yeast in it. And so that's particularly important to theologists because they see this picture of Jesus who is clean from sin being broken. And if you understand a bit, that's, that's a really important picture, right? And so then the question is, well, Daniel, then how do I do it? How do I be someone that goes out into the world and doesn't become contaminated by yeast? <laughs> or sin, sorry, sin. <laughs> and, you know, people will say, it's not, I can't sit with the sinners, because they will contaminate me. And that's why we as a church sometimes start to put the walls up and we start to close the doors and we create a little bubble. Isn't that interesting? We create a little bubble to protect us from being infected and we're really worried about it. But, you know, if you remember that you've already got the sickness in the first place, that it's just malignant, you know, I'm pretty sure that if you've got COVID-19, like if you've got it, People don't say, get worried about you catching it. Like, yeah, sure, afterwards you might be able to get a second time. I don't know. The debate's still out. I'm not not talking about that right now. But while you've got the disease, people aren't going to be worried about you catching it, right? We've still got the disease. It's just not killing us. We've actually know the way of working through it. Now, Paul talks like this in Romans, and he says, don't think for a second I'm telling you that it's okay for Christians to go out and sin. Of course not. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying at all. That would be crazy talk. I'm just saying that it's helpful to realize that we're in the same camp as everybody else, to sit with them. You know, we're not above them. We don't deserve to sit on them. Jesus didn't sit on them. It it makes me surprised that people think that we should create a bubble when Jesus lived in a bubble called heaven and he left that. And if Jesus could do that, then so should he. He wasn't worried that he was going to get infected by sin. Neither should we worry. And, and the Bible creates this picture, but it also it creates some other interesting pictures. By the way, let me just add, and I think it's really important, that while I'm saying go, 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 imagine if you have a problem with alcohol and you feel like I'm telling you to go out into the pub and mix with people in the pub. Well, use your head. <laughs> use the Holy Spirit. And recognize that there's so many other places you could go. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be into the place that you're, you've got a few issues yourself personally. In fact, Paul actually talks like this. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 7 to 10, he talks about getting rid of the old yeast. And then down verse 9, he says, I have written to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people. And people ah, there you go, Daniel. It says in the Bible. But you've got to remember that this is a letter to Corinthians. What was the Corinthians' problem? 
they were very sexually immoral. There was incest and all sorts going on. There's kids here, so I won't get into it too much, but it was bad. And so Paul says, I'm going to read it from the message actually, I wrote to you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourself at home amongst the sexually promiscuous. You can understand why. They had troubles in that area. Listen to what he says next. Next verse. I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders. With, with any of that sort, with crooks or whether they're blue or white collar criminals or whether they're spiritual phonies for that matter. Yeah. And Paul says in the last statement, you'd have to leave the world to achieve that. <laughs> it's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be people who are in the world, not people who are outside. We're not supposed to sit on people. We're not supposed to lord it over people. I have been asked so many times in India, do you think I should go to a Hindu wedding? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? Because there's food sacrificed to idols, there's worship of other gods, there's all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't go. And they ask, would you go? I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And then they ask, would you go to this wedding, a Christian wedding? And I say, why wouldn't I? And they, because it's a love marriage. And I said, well, why wouldn't you go to love marriage? And because it's not broken the Ten Commandments, honour your mother and father. It's not an arranged marriage. I'm like, oh, okay. Would you go? They ask. Yeah, I'd go. In New Zealand, I remember sitting at a Bible study where the people talked about how they didn't go to a new Christian marriage because they had been living together for five years. I remember thinking, why wouldn't you go? I mean, you, you, you can't even point your finger of condemnation at them if you're not with them. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what we should do <laughs> but we should be there one of the ministry aspects of Jesus was being basically all through the Bible yeast is sin it's a picture of sin except for when it's not it's like a Dr. Seuss book now it always is, except when it's not. And I've got one scripture that I'm going to put up on the screen. And it's um, Jesus speaking in Matthew 13, 33. So Jesus is speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like what? Yes. What? <laughs> I thought yeast was supposed to be sin. So is Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like sin? Obviously not. You've got to make a pretty sensible judgment call about this, right? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. What does it do? It works through the whole batch of dough. You know, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6, Paul says about yeast, your boasting is no good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole dough? One's talking about sin. One's talking about the kingdom of God. Why are we so worried that if we go out there and sit with sinners, if we have our doors open and we're going, why are we so worried that we're going to be infected by what's out there? You've already got the disease. You've just been, it's just, you know, benign. It won't kill you. 
what, what have we got to worry about? In fact, what we're supposed to do is realize that what we've got is also infectious. And that's what I like about C3 Taupo. When I look at you guys and see you guys, I see an infectious group of people out there in your community doing life, warts and all. I know you've got problems. I know you've got issues. You're all human beings. You know that too. But you're out there infecting people with the kingdom of God. Because they see you, you're just being real. Working through it, aiming for this, accidentally achieving that because you're aiming for this, growing with God. Change happens whether you like it or not when you're with Jesus, right? It's going to happen. It's a given. We don't need to worry about it. It's an absolute given. By the way, I should point out, because I didn't add it in and I should, because it's a good message of hope and it helps bring the understanding. The Holy Spirit comes into us and he's like a surgeon. And where, where you have sin that's stopping you from having a relationship with God, yeah. it's like preventing you from getting close because it's, you know, it's the warts and all, it's the nodules and things that are growing later in that picture. When it's stopping you from getting close to God, because Jesus made that malignant cancer benign, it doesn't finish there. The Holy Spirit keeps working gently, quietly, patiently with you all through your life, slowly cutting those bits of you away so that you can come into more intimate relationship with yeah. yeah. yes. all the time. And that's why salvation yeah. is an ongoing work. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the weddings. Let's be there. Look at what Jesus was like. You had one story last week. He was out there all the time. And the religious people, the people that concentrate on this were like, what the heck are you doing? We don't like seeing what you're doing. But Jesus, one of the aspects of his ministry that people don't talk about very often, they so often we talk about the healing power of Jesus and, and the great sermons that he gave. But one of the things we miss, which I think is incredibly important, is the being aspect of Jesus' ministry. And you can't be if you're locked in here and the doors aren't open and you're going outside. You don't call people to come. That was the Old Testament. Jesus said, go, and you better be called to stay. And as I said, some of us are called in certain aspects to stay because we've got an issue with them. If you're an alcoholic, you're not called to the pub. That's just up here in Holy Spirit. In that sense, you can stay for that thing. But everything else, there's plenty of a world to go to out there that you can go to. And so I love that Keith, the Keith Green thing. If Jesus said go, why do you feel so called to stay? The only bit that you should stay on is for little sections where you know that you just need some help. And we've all got those, actually. So don't worry. You know, the people at the pub aren't missing out. Your next door neighbour sitting here can probably go there and it'll be fine. And as much as you can't go somewhere else, they can go where you can't go. And so as a church, we're everywhere. And why are we everywhere? Because we've got something amazing to give and it's called agape love. And it's infectious and it's like yeast and it gets through everything and it changes people. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.